This is the Sea to Sky podcast with Marcus, weaving through the issues in Sea to Sky country. Welcome to another edition of the Sea to Sky podcast. My name is Marcus. I am with Christine McLeod today, and uh, she is a foremost business expert, I would say. Uh, she has teamed up with a lot of local businesses through the chamber and, and also on her own with her consulting agency, helping businesses with uh, their imaging, their messaging, and how to sort of handle, you know, everyday life, I would say. You kind of like take businesses and you mold them in a way to, that they're successful. Uh, so, I mean, if you want to pigeonhole yourself, go ahead. But I think you kind of do everything. Yeah. A lot of people say that I wear a lot of different hats. I would say the the one piece that I would add to that is mostly I work with um, business leaders in our community um, to develop not only their own leadership, but also the leadership capacity of their teams. So I do a lot of work with their teams, the culture of their teams um, and their own leadership capacity. I want, I want to talk about more about what's happening in uh, our neighborhood and not necessarily in terms of COVID because COVID's affected everybody and it's affected everybody differently. And I think a lot of people need to know, especially since I'm also a small business owner, a lot of people need to know what have businesses have done to sort of adapt to these times. And uh, I want to get the word out there to everyone. Businesses are still here. Shop local, <laughs> shop local, shop local, shop local. And, and I know you've dealt, you've dealt with a lot of businesses and, and how they've sort of changed their way of thinking for these times. And I want, hopefully, that you can share a lot of the stuff that uh, businesses have been doing, a lot of the trends that you've been seeing, and how businesses have been shifting and pivoting uh, to serve this community, and have people not be afraid to go and shop, right? To go out and, and still partake in the, in the business culture here in Squamish and, and try and get you know, things back to normal. If we can call it a normal, our new normal, I guess, as Dr. Bonnie Henry would say. (laughs) (laughs) I prefer calling it new normal than it is what it is. I am so tired of it is what it is. I just like new normal. I like that one. For sure. Well, recently we did a a little bit of a a Zoom webinar with the chamber, and we actually um, put out the call to the community to just tell us um, what businesses they were impressed with that had done, you know, taken a situation that was very tricky for all of us in March, April. We all had a bit of shock and frozen kind of, you know, state for a little bit, but very quickly we had lots of businesses in our community. And the one word that I hate is pivot, so I won't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but that sort of turned around and, and really made the best of not a, a great situation, but in many cases actually either potentially found a new lane or a new product or a new way of doing business. And we are so lucky in this community of Squamish that we have very entrepreneurial leaders in our, not just our small business, but our bigger organizations and from government to private. Um, We've got lots of amazing leaders who are creative and who don't get stuck. So I think we all got stuck a little bit and froze for a few weeks, maybe in March when we didn't know what was going on. But I think what I have been so impressed with is really how creative people have been in the business community. And there are so many examples I can give from, you know, I look at Alison Brome that pivoted, you know, their, their product of like selling ice cream in person. They were about to open, you know, a couple of weeks later and then they turned around and all of a sudden they're delivering ice cream pints, you know you had businesses in some cases um, like Billy's um, Flower House they actually had to close not because of COVID but they actually closed because they were so overwhelmed with flower deliveries that people still wanted to just share a little bit of brightness in people's day but they didn't have the staffing for it because they had sort of sent their staff home to be able to collect CERB and stay safe and all the rest so all of a sudden they had too much business and they had to figure out sort of a new, a new way of doing things. And so they shut down for a small amount of time until they figured that out. We had, you know, businesses like Tall Tree Bakery. I don't know about you if you were 
you know, on the bread train kind of going through uh, the COVID quarantine. I think everyone tried sourdough. I, I didn't even try. I looked at everyone's mess and went, no, thank you. Well, we didn't, I didn't personally try sourdough. I would just go down a couple of times a week to Tall Tree and just get my fresh warm <laughs> loaf of sourdough. But just their, their policies and procedures and operating standards and having to really, really rethink how many people can I have in my business? How do I socially distance? How do I disinfect things? And how am I there to create still community? And Tall Tree, for example, for me personally was a great example of something that was like a little delight for me to just go down a support a local business but it was like a little treat to bring home that you know warm sourdough on a Thursday morning for example yeah a lot of business did that where they, they started bringing their products to you I mean uh, we did the same thing where we started bringing our kits to people's homes people can't go out then you bring your product to them and you do it in a safe way uh, when I talked to our, our MP Patrick Wheeler um, the other day and you know, I talked about businesses and how we're going to survive in this um, this new normal uh, I think people just need to feel safe and I think comfortable enough to go out and shop and go out and, and go out and partake in the economy. Is, is that part of the messaging when you talk to people is like, hey, listen, it's OK to be, you know, to go out there and, and, and be safe. Or is that the message you're telling people is like, hey, it's safe to come here. We have our safe practices. This is, you know, come and be part of the economy again, really. I would suspect um, what I'm hearing and sensing is we're not quite ready to open our floodgates to everybody else in whether it's BC or, you know, the US or rest of Canada to just or Vancouver to flood Squamish come to our businesses. Uh, my sense is we're still trying to do that within our own community. Um, I just read a, a really interesting kind of 10 point email that my mom in Montreal actually just sent me about uh, from Dr. Bonnie Henry. Um, so Dr. Bonnie Henry is, you know, so well thought of in other parts of Canada, not just in BC. And one of the things that she said is, you know, the number one thing that we can do is we can really just wash our hands and kind of socially distance. But other than that, this is not something that's going away tomorrow. It's something we're going to have to live with for months or maybe even years. And we can't stop living our lives. And so if we are able to, you know, and, and she talked about, you know, different things like, you know, that, that we can do to essentially keep ourselves safe. But over and over again, she said, you know, staying inside our house completely cocooned um, is not necessarily a good quality of life. And there's ways for us to participate in life and to have um, just pleasant experiences without putting ourselves at risk. So then what do you tell businesses then? Uh, because I mean, you need people to come to your store and you need people to partake and you need, you need business, you need, you need customers. So how do you tell customers to tell their clients, you know, I know it's a, it's a different time, but you know, trust us, we're safe. Come, come and enjoy our products, come and shop through us. What would you tell businesses to do at this point? I think that the first and most important thing is we have to make people feel safe when they come into our store or our summer camp or um, you know any place of doing business and so when I walk into a business and there's clearly marked signs for social distancing when there's a you know a, a spray dispensary at the front door um, or when there's someone standing outside the door only letting certain number of people in or there's marked at the window this is how many people can be in at once just those tiny little things those are things that my subconscious is picking up and it makes me feel comfortable shopping in the environment. If I walked into a store and it was packed, I probably wouldn't feel comfortable going into that business. And so being really aware of what the protocols are in terms of what we are allowed to do in terms of making sure people can still shop in our business and being socially distanced, I think that's the first thing. Because once 
I start shopping in a particular place, then I'll just keep shopping there and I'll tell my friends about it. But I think first and foremost, I think we really all have to make sure that we're adhering to those things that are going to make people feel safe the minute that they walk into our store. And then on top of that, we still have to provide amazing customer service. Maybe we have less clients in the store so we can actually just chat with people a little bit more. And then all those same kind of premises told true, just, you know, creating relationships and asking open-ended questions and providing solutions for people. But the first and foremost is I think people will know in an instant if they feel safe in your place of business. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if, if they don't feel safe, they're not going to come back and they're going to tell other people like it's not safe there. I've heard of already a couple of places in Squamish where I've already got, uh-uh, don't go there. No, no, no. It's one, it's one of those things where it's you need you need people to feel safe and comfortable to go, to go to your business. So, And you mentioned how you need to change around your customer service as well to adapt to the new times. So how would you change your customer service? Would you How would you switch it around to be more adept to these times? Well, I think, you know, in some respects, we have amazing opportunities to build relationships with people walking into our store, whether they're local or whether they're coming from further away. And the number one thing is, we have way less people in our stores or our places of business than we normally would. Our restaurants are at 50% capacity. Our stores are less people. Um, I went shopping at Park Royal a couple weeks ago and walked into Zoomies to get some van shoes for my daughter. And there's, you know, six customers allowed in the store. And there was three staff on. So that's one staff for two people. <laughs> you should be able to strike up a genuine conversation in a different way than if you had 50 people in the store and everybody's running around. So number one is I just think we have an opportunity to create personalized, authentic conversations with people without jumping all over them. But man, there's lots of stuff that we can have conversation starters <laughs> topics-wise that we can start. What have you seen that's been more successful in terms of pivoting for businesses, especially local businesses, to sort of ride through this? What has been the main trend that has made people successful during these times? You know, I, I try to think about, you know, specific examples I can give you. You know, my one of my daughters is working at a, a day camp for Vanessa with Healthy Hearts, Healthy Minds right now. It's a great example. In Vanessa's case for day camps, she has some strict guidelines now on, you know, what those little bubbles of pods look like in terms of numbers. And I believe you do with your business as well. In terms of pivoting, um, an example for Vanessa would be her camp for older girls, Camp Francia, which typically would be girls 6 to 12. That Those numbers have kind of come down a little bit but her younger children sort of what she calls kinder kids those numbers are really have exploded really because there's a lot of parents going back to work that need child care for their younger children that don't necessarily have as many camp opportunities so that's a great example to me of a business that has maybe shifted her model a little bit and her hiring and her training and her programming to move from one age group which was what her camps used to be more known for to a different age group, which is meeting the demands of the community who need childcare. And what challenges are you seeing from the business side? I mean, you, I know before COVID you would help people with their leadership and with their, their, their way they communicate with their staff and with their clients. What are you seeing now when clients come to you and say, all right, I need to change this for my business to adapt. What are they asking for you to do in terms of helping them pivot with their business to communicate with their customers? The number one thing, myself as a business of one, uh, yourself as a small business, my husband has his own business and sales agency. And I think what a lot of us are seeing is we're working twice as hard for half the business, if that. 
and in some cases our revenues are not necessarily anywhere close to where they have been pre-COVID but our workload hasn't changed so my husband is a sales rep he has a sales agencies you know in sales agency starting in March he basically every time he picked up the phone people were canceling orders but he still had to deal with every single one of those customers and now he's starting to chase those orders for next summer and a lot of those orders are a lot smaller because people don't know what are going to happen but he's still doing that and much more work because he's now trying to pivot if we want to use that by doing instead of all his in-person showings he's now doing them on zoom he's maybe not traveling as much so maybe there's a cost savings there but in general you know uh, another business I can think of personally that I frequent Lori from four elements she's an esthetician let's say for argument's sake that she was able to take eight clients a day well now she has to take a 15-minute break in between each client to clean everything and so now when you add up all those 15 minute breaks plus another 15 minutes because she has to wear a mask and you know all the PPE she has to make so she's like working super hard and warm she almost needs to take a minute to breathe so now all of a sudden instead of eight clients a day at a certain amount of dollars she might be only you know having six clients a day so I think most of us are dealing with less revenue for the same or more complex work. Yeah, I agree. I mean, with we, we do adult nights and adult events, and it's the same where we can't cram 12 people in a room anymore. We can only put in six. And a lot of our events we had to postpone. And, and when we had to remake those events, we had to do, you know, three nights instead of just the one. And I do realize that because you're limited exposure to your clientele, it is the same work, less money. And it, it does get to be a point of... It gets a bit of a slog. What do you think then about the, the COVID surcharge then? If people are adding a COVID surcharge, do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? I, I really have heard people on both sides of the argument, and I, I hear both sides. The one side would say, listen, if everybody added a COVID surcharge all across the supply chain, you know, an item would be completely an unreasonable price by the time the end customer bought it. And the other side would be, you know, maybe we actually get a little bit more choosy about the businesses that we want to do business with. And if I want to do a paint pour night um, with Marcus and, you know, at Happy Mess and I was going to pay, I don't know, let's call it instead of $50, would I pay $60 for that? You know, because I know I'm safe. I know it's a good product. I know I'm having a great experience. I want to support local business and that's worth it to me. So I actually think in the longer term, rather than it being seen as a surcharge, some businesses have an opportunity to potentially raise their prices if their product and their delivery ends up being something that people would pay more for. I kept my prices the same, by the way. <laughs> it's still 50. Fantastic. <laughs> but thank you for the shout out. That's awesome. Because yeah, there's been a point of contention because I mean, you mentioned your friend who's the esthetician and the, and the hairstylist, you know, they, they have less clientele. They need to stop in between clients to wipe everything down. So there is an extra charge for the cleaning, the PPE and all that extra stuff. So I wouldn't say adding surcharge all the way down the supply chain, but wouldn't you say some businesses can realistically add that surcharge? I think you, we can't just make a blanket statement. You know, when I think of certain retailers that I know in this community, Valhalla Pure would be one of them. Um, there's some other retailers that I know in, in Victoria that my husband works with. If you're in the business where you're selling outdoor, camping, hiking, stand-up paddle boards, like anything that's sort of recreational that will get us kind of out into the great wide open, you're crushing it. You're doing really well. And so in some cases, I know some retailers in this province that are having like massive weeks of sales and so it's it's not everybody so I don't think we can make a blanket statement but I do think we have to really understand as consumers that in order for 
some of our favorite businesses to survive and keep us safe, we may need to pay a little bit more for certain products and services. And then that's my choice as a consumer. If I don't want to pay more, then eventually that business won't probably survive given what they need to. But, you know, truly, I guess that's, you know, capitalism. I'm going to continue to support the businesses that I think do an amazing job. And I would personally probably just pay a, a slight bit more if that was able to support them. So then what would you tell consumers then? Like, what would you want them to understand? Like, what, what, what do consumers need to know and to get so then they do go out and keep shopping locally? In our community in Squamish, we have literally in every single category, we have a business that is local that can support your needs. And, you know, we may not be going out for dinner as much. You know, some of us may not be totally comfortable to sit in a restaurant. Some of us are. That's great. But I'll give you an example in my neighborhood. This started probably about two months ago. This neighborhood in the Highlands, it's one particular street. One of my friends, Amber, started this kind of takeout community night where every house on that street, we'd pick a restaurant and then every house on that street would order from that restaurant. So, I don't know, let's call it uh, Meg's 99, for example, or it could be, I don't know, could be a pizza joint or anywhere. So we all, or every house orders from that restaurant. They all deliver it at six. Everybody has a table outside their front yard. And so everybody's able to have a socially distanced kind of visit and build community. But at the same time, instead of us ordering from all different restaurants, that restaurant just got a huge amount of support from anywhere from 20 to 20 to 40 um, houses. And that's a, just a really cool way to support a local business and also still do something fun like eat out. So essentially, like, if just to sort of recap, you want consumers to know as long as the business do, is being safe and they're being reasonable to not be afraid to reach out to them. Well, and I think the other thing we have to be mindful of, and I'm speaking from personal experience as well, is that for those of us who are not making a full income, we also have to reduce our expenses. So I may not have as much disposable income as I maybe did four months ago because I'm not having the same revenue come in. So as a business owner and you know, as a mom and you know, someone running my family, and so the choices that I'm making with the money that I have to spend, I'll gladly do that with certain businesses, but my total dollars to spend may be a little bit less than I had. So I just have to balance my choices, but every time I have a choice, I'll always choose to do that locally. I'm obviously where none of us are praying for a second wave. None of us want that. I don't think anybody wants that as long as we keep the border closed <clears throat> with America. <clears throat> anyway, um, but say something does happen and we, we have to shift down a phase. What would you recommend businesses to do at that point? Because I don't think we can, I don't, I don't want to say we can't depend on the government forever. Um, but it's one of those things where if we do have, um, we do have to scale down again in terms of our opening phases. What do you recommend businesses to do at that point? You know, it's interesting that you say that because a month ago when we did this webinar that you were on as well on Zoom, I was saying I'd love to do another one in, in August or September where we actually take some of these businesses who've really learned some lessons from an operational standpoint and have exactly that discussion is how do we actually now, okay, we've breathed a little bit for the summer. How do we actually take the next month or two to prepare ourselves for inevitably what will happen is, you know, everybody agrees that some kind of phase two once we hit flu season. And, and you're right, not all of us can depend on, you know, the small business loan program or the, you know, wage subsidy or CERB or anything else. So I don't have all the answers, but certainly there's very amazing business leaders in our community. Um, after the call, I look at Jeff Cook from Barkbusters um, was one, and he's the one that we actually had this discussion with is, man, we need to get some business leaders together to actually think about this. So 
Do you have enough cash flow on hand? Is your, you know, maybe your inventory reduced? Is what's your staffing plan if you have to go without staff? Um, can you shift to delivery if you're not, you know, a product in store? Are you going to shut down or are you just going to make sure that you're socially distancing and washing hands? So I think the difference between the fall versus March is I think March everybody panicked and froze and shut everything down. And now I would be really surprised if Dr. Bonnie Henry and kind of the health team at the British Columbia sort of provincial level, um, if we went to full shutdown, I suspect we'll probably just maybe go back a step and be more careful. But um, I would be surprised if we shut down exactly how we did before. Because I think a lot of businesses would face if we have to shut down again or scale down again is the fact that they have to still recoup the money that they lost from the shutdown. Yeah. And, and then all, yeah. and also there are you know, certain businesses have to deal with clients where they wanted refunds and you know, some businesses stuck their ground and said, I can't afford to give you a refund. I'll give you a credit, but then you still have to make up for that credit. Yeah. We have businesses. I mean, look at the constellation festival, look at camp summit, look at any business that had, you know, the majority of their revenue for the year uh, meant to come in this summer that has had to postpone because of we're not allowed gatherings more than 50 or whatever the rules are that they've said, hey, we'll give you credit for next year. So even if everything stayed open, those businesses like Camp Summit, Constellation Festival are going to basically take the revenue that we gave them at the beginning of 2020 or the end of 2019 for a product or service in 2020 and then have to take this cash flow all the way through to 2021 to just maybe break even so they've lost an entire year of revenue. So yeah, I think it's for a lot of businesses, maybe can survive for one of these seasons, but certainly not two. Yeah, because I think a lot of businesses that I've talked to, that's the biggest thing is like, they didn't want to issue refunds, but the refunds they did issue has put a big strain on them. And now, like especially my business, like uh, we had to close during spring camp. So during my summer camps now, I have to give credit to the spring camps. And so I'm not making as much money as the summer. And then all of a sudden fall comes around and then boom, we get hit again. Or uh, we don't have, yeah. I can't run the same programs I can run in the fall. It's going to be, it's going to be really, really tough. So I, I think, you know, I, one thing I would like to pass on to consumers is understand that small businesses, even though we're big drivers of economy and, and we are big drivers of, uh, of the, of, of the economy in Canada and locally be a little bit more sympathetic or empathetic that to our cash flow because if we start giving out refunds to everybody, we, we might as well just close our doors. And so be a little bit more lax, I think, with your local business if they say, hey, I can't give you a refund right now. Can you at least take credit? Well, and I think unless you on the receiving end like are really desperate for the actual cash that you need for your own cash flow, that you really need the refund, is the credit, in some respects, I would say, you know, you've already spent the money is just it's sitting there basically. So you've kind of already spent it. It's just next time you won't have to spend it again. It's waiting there for you when when you need it again. But, you know, some people really will need the cash back and, you know, for sure that's fine. But anytime that we are being offered a credit, I, I agree with you. I think we should really consider it because that actually supports the business a bit more. Some businesses, their margins are different. Some have slimmer margins than others. Right. And so if, if that money is already accounted for and spent for a program that needs to be postponed or canceled, it's like, no, I only have that sliver left that was supposed to be my profit. So I can't really give you everything back. And we have examples. I think if you can are in a position where you can communicate directly with your clients, um, I think of um, Michelle Park, who owns Swamish Martial Arts Studio. And my youngest daughter takes uh, Taekwondo. 
And so they moved to Zoom, which is not ideal for sports and yoga and all the things that we do with our kids for activities, but she did pivot to Zoom. And, and what they said is, listen, here's the price for kind of the next six weeks until we finish school on Zoom. And it's a little bit less than what you would pay in your monthly fee. And, in, you know, thank you for sticking with us. And because of that, we're going to sort of give you a little bit of a credit towards your next fee for your belt. So for me, it was, A, I get to keep my kid in that program. B, they're giving me a little bit of a break because we're figuring it out. And C, there was a little bit extra that was more of a thank you. And so I think that's an example of a business that I think did a really great job. And the reason is she explained it. She said, we want to try and keep our coaches on. We want to try and keep paying our staff. Um, and this is why we're sort of trying to go and do this virtually. Now, let's, let's switch over to one of the biggest expenses that businesses have to have to deal with, uh, landlords. <laughs> you know, I've started a small Facebook group called Small Business Squamish. And, you know, a lot of people... Uh, their biggest complaint is is dealing with the landlord, and some people deal with uh, corporations. Some people deal with the the little guy, the little independent landlord. I had a big issue with my with my landlord. He's a corporate overlord, and then all of a sudden they decided, okay, fine. The province told me I can't evict you, so I'm going to work with you. But have you seen a lot more strain between the business and the landlord over this time, and especially in the near future? I can't tell you very many personal experiences that were quite negative, but I definitely can echo what I've heard in the community that it was very stressful for a couple of months before the programs came out um, with the rent sort of subsidy and the, the programs of assistance that people, absolutely, that's our, other than payroll, that's people's number one, you know, business expense. Um, and people just weren't even sure how they were going to make it next month, let alone two or three or four or five months. Um, again, my husband is a great example of that personally in our household is he rents a showroom in North Vancouver and his rent is really big. I think the landlord um, tenant situations that were successful, I suppose, is the ones, and again, this is what my husband did, where you pick up the phone and you're able to talk uh, with your, your landlord and say, not I can't pay anything, but here's what I can pay or here's what it might look like. And also just talk to the landlord about, hey, you know, if this is a case of all or nothing, I'm gonna have to actually break my lease. And um, I think you're gonna have trouble finding another tenant <laughs> because who's gonna pay this amount, you know, in the next month or two when they don't know what their cash flow is. So my experience has been, yes, it was a stress. I think that the rent program has really helped in the past couple of months, but that ends in August. So we'll see what happens in September. <laughs> Well, that, that's if your businesses do it, uh, won't do it for this month. My, I know my landlord won't go for this July. I gave you those three months this month. You're not, you're not getting it. So until the government says you have to do it like they did for those three months, I think yeah. a lot of people are still facing the, uh, you have to pay a full month's rent for this month. I'm not doing the subsidy for you this time around. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think, it, I think it was a landlord in the U S and it was residential, but you know, there is the good news stories that you read and you know, there's one, it was a, a landlord of a, I think it was an entire apartment building um, that he had, and I, I think it might have been in New York. And literally within days of you know everything being shut down, he basically said to all of his tenants, like, "Do not worry about rent this month. Um, the only thing you have to worry about is hydro." And you have those stories of, from a value standpoint, like what an amazing thing for him to do. Now he was maybe able to do that financially. Who knows all the reasons? But I guess in times like this. I am inspired by Dr. Bonnie Henry. I think she is a good grounding force. And what I try to think about in the decisions that I make is what's the right thing to do? What's the good thing to do? 
and not just think about it first and foremost from a revenue standpoint. Well, that's the problem though with today. I think there are a lot of people who just think dollar and cents and they don't really think of anything else. I mean, I think everyone wants to do the altruistic thing, but they also want to save their own skins too. And so when they look at their bottom line, they go, well, I just can't afford to do it. So it's either you or me. Well, and fair enough, you know, if someone has purchased a building or purchased it and they have a giant mortgage to pay um, and they default on their mortgage because their tenant doesn't pay, then I, I do. I think at that point they have to decide, you know, what can I do and what can't I do? And, and it's we're not going to win in every situation. But I, I am interested to see what happens in the fall because I do think in some cases because of SIR, because of the employment wage subsidy because of the rent. I do think in some ways we've been supported into maybe not artificially, but like things are okay. And I'm just a little bit scared for people when all these programs end and then we potentially go into because the government realistically like can't keep doing this forever at some point. Yeah. You know, we're already gonna have that for a long time for our generations to come. But that that makes me a little bit afraid. Yeah, that 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 freaks me out a little bit as well. <laughs> just just a little bit. So it's just it's just growing pains. And it's like and I like I mentioned before, the problem with businesses is when they're trying to recoup what they've lost during that time, they cannot save for a rainy day because their rainy day fund, if they had one, is pretty much gone. So I mean, let's just hope that we're just responsible and we don't have second wave of, of this and, and hopefully a vaccine comes soon. Um, and so we can just sort of move on and, and just be, you know, more normal than this new normal, I guess I would say. So what, what would you recommend then for, for businesses in, in the future and, and sort of how would you have them plan accordingly? I know it, nothing is set in stone and anything can happen, but what would you recommend businesses do right now uh, in terms of operating and then looking forward to hopefully when this year finally ends? <laughs> I, I would think, well, there's a couple of things I would definitely develop relationships with the Chamber of Commerce. I would really look up, you know, not just the Chamber of Commerce in Squamish, but Chambers of BC. We have so many resources that are available to us. So I would get very good at really making sure that I'm not missing any programs that are available to me. So an example would be the $40,000 loan. Maybe I'm not a business that right now needs it, but it's available to me. And so if I'm able to partake in this program, maybe that's something that's going to help me six months from now, even if I don't need it today. So maybe I need to sign up for that program. The second thing I would do is I would either hire a business coach or sit with my peers in the business community or sit with myself and start Googling strategic plans or business plans or all the rest. And I would really, really take an unemotional look at my business and just decide that you know, looking ahead, what does it look like if I have no cash flow? What does it look like if my staff all quit or get sick? What does it look like if my rent goes up or I can't get rent relief? Maybe my business isn't viable for the next 12 to 18 months. And as much as it hurts in our community, we're so entrepreneurial and I really believe that we're resilient is that, you know, even if I said to you like super honestly, like you're so passionate about your business, but if you weren't doing what you were doing with Happy Mess, you would be doing something phenomenal in our community because you have an entrepreneurial spirit. And I think for every door that closes for us, I believe that we're also entering a place where there might be new opportunities that didn't exist for us before. So I think when we get stuck, we just kind of want to cocoon and hide. But I think even, and, and if we think about this all the time, it will literally just cause us so much anxiety maybe this won't work for everybody but this is something that worked for me when i was on maternity leave with my youngest and halfway through my mat leave i found out that i didn't have a job to go back to 
and I spent the first week or two obsessing about applying for jobs and doing all the stuff and then I forgot about like gosh I only have six months left of my mat leave so what I did for myself which I'm gonna do for my business now but I did this 11 years ago with my daughter is set aside a particular amount of hours a week or a day a week or a time of the week when you're thinking about this stuff so for example Tuesday afternoon from 1 to 5 I'm gonna make a little bit of time for myself to just think about the future of my business in the next 12 months and then that way you know that as you think about stuff during the week you either earmark it or put it aside or you know physically print something out and then Tuesday you actually do whatever you need to to get yourself in a quiet place and start thinking about that or make the phone calls or have the coffees because if we're trying to run our business and then work on the business at the same time we're literally all gonna have ulcers we've all felt our share of anxiety and uh, I have the weight gain weight gain to prove it I, I was fattening my curve as we were supposed to flatten it so yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> I got to work on my business and, and my midsection again because it's just, yeah, I have my COVID belly. It's it's great. I love it. I mean, it. how cool would it be, you know, how cool would it be, for example, I'm just thinking out loud, but how cool would it be if we created, you know, I don't know, once a week and we reached out in the business community, we just said once a week, business leaders who are sort of thinking about the next 12 to 18 months, if we just met at the Adventure Center, for example, and just we're each working on our own thing, but we're all there doing it. We're sort of alone together, that sort of mm -hmm. little expression. And maybe if there's enough, you know, people who are interested in that, maybe someone like the chamber can come in and just make some resources available to us, just that sitting at another table that you can just walk over and maybe ask some questions to you, or that someone can maybe give you a template for a business plan or a cash flow, you know, forecasting or whatever that looks like. So that's the kind of thing I think that we should all try to be working on in the next couple of months to prepare us for 2020, 2021. Yeah, I just want this year over with. Like, can we just skip, can we just change the calendar and maybe everything goes away? I don't know. There's something really weird about this year. <laughs> I don't, just so many things. It's just compounding one after the other. Like, where's the, what, do we still talk about murder hornets anymore? Are they still around? I don't know. It was like oh a thing God. for a bit. Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> no, I do agree that the you know the business community should get a little bit more tight knit. Uh, the chamber is a good resource. There's the uh, the community futures, I believe, as well. Um, and if you're having some financial issues, they're they're the group you can go to, uh, and they'll help you with if you don't qualify for a lot of the government loans. They can help you find other loans. I know a lot of banks are are trying to do pivot loans and stuff like that. So, you know, also talk to your fellow entrepreneurs to figure out what programs are out there for you. Uh, there are Facebook groups. There is Small Business Squamish or, and um, that a lot of people there. We have some fantastic financial gurus on there that if uh, you have a question or a tax question, they will answer your questions there. And it's about collecting your resources and getting together and building a plan. And, uh, and hopefully we ride this out. Yeah, I think that the, the tricky part, and I know even for myself, I'm a connector. I love sharing information I love listening to people and giving information and even for myself I found myself in March April kind of cocooning into my own family and my own four walls and just making sure that you know my kids online schooling was going well and you know just I wasn't even thinking about my business in that moment I sort of just didn't have the energy to do what I normally do which is to reach out to teach to listen to share and it took me a little bit to get out of that and now I'm back in that phase where I want to help people and support people all the rest so I also think we just all need to be just gentle with ourselves and realize that you know we might think it's a great idea to all get together at the Adventure Center and share resources or check this Facebook group and do all this 
but maybe I personally don't have the energy to do that because 100% of my mental state is going into just keeping my business above water and maybe I have my kids at home and maybe I'm trying to do this as well. So we're all at where we're at and we're all going to go along this journey, not necessarily lock and step together. Um, so if we see a fellow businessman or businesswoman or who is maybe struggling a little bit or who feels a little bit down or who feels stuck and we're not feeling that way that day, then maybe we can reach out and just kind of just be supportive in whatever way that shows up for that person because it doesn't mean that person's going to be stuck forever, but right now they're a little bit stuck and we can't expect all of us to be, you know, in the same mental place at the same time. No, I, I agree with you. It is about being in that in that in the proper mindset. But I, I think, you know, you, you mentioned it before, we have that initial shock and we all cocoon ourselves and now we're sort of coming out of our cocoon. And I think what what's important now is to tell customers and consumers, hey, we're doing the right thing in our business to make you feel safe. Please uh, patron our businesses again. If you have any issues, let's talk about it. Let's communicate about it and let's ride this out. And just, you know, fingers crossed, we don't have to regress back to where, we're, where, we, where we came from in terms of phases. And I think, you know, the other thing is, and I can just speak for maybe our own community in Squamish, is that, you know, to my knowledge, we haven't been overridden with any crazy amount of COVID cases. I know we've definitely had some, but I think we also have a personal responsibility to keep ourselves fit safe and to keep our, our neighbors safe. And so I think, again, I go back to that email from Bonnie Henry is like just washing our hands over and over again. Like if that's the one thing that we can do and then just keep socially distanced, you know, especially indoors and where possible, where we can't, then we also wear a mask. And they're just these really simple things that people are asking of us to keep ourselves and our businesses safe. Because, you know, if I have symptoms and I go into a local restaurant and then, you know, 78 other people indirectly end up getting sick because I didn't not only take care of myself, but other people, then not only do all those people get sick, but then that business also from a reputation standpoint, I look at what happened in Kelowna this weekend. Oh, if you were at Cactus Club on this day, then this day, or this day, then self-isolate. Well, in addition to all of that, you know, the poor staff and team at the Cactus Club. <laughs> like, so yeah. I just really feel like in our community, we just need to keep doing a good job, keeping ourselves and everyone else around us safe. I agree. I mean, that, that's the one thing I'd be almost a death knell for any business is that I went to this business and I got sick. Even though there are there are risks. I mean, I know there are other camps and stuff. They're like, you know what? We're outside all day. This is what it is. Here we go. Brennan Park are offering camps and they have a large number of kids, but they're outside and like, this is how it is. Um, and those are, you're going to have to judge. I think a lot of, a lot of consumers are going to have to make that risk, uh, a risk assessment at the same time as wanting to go to these businesses. And I think businesses have to do it the other way around and understand where the consumer is coming from as well. I, I'm just hoping with this podcast that people sort of get the understanding from the other side of the coin, uh, the, from the business side saying, you know what, we're doing our best to adapt. We're doing our best to keep our businesses going. And we want you to feel safe to come and keep coming to our businesses. So we all stay, you know, afloat and we all keep doing our thing. And, um, and I know disposable income is a tough thing, but it's, it's uh, do what you can to support and if, and we'll do all we can to survive and be safe. Absolutely. And I think other businesses right now, certainly when I look around Squamish, big and small, are doing everything that they can to just provide a great product and service 
and keep everyone safe. And our job in the community, where possible and where we can, is to then turn around and meet those businesses where they are and reward them with our patronage. And I think when we have a choice, if we have to buy something, if we can buy it online or locally, let's buy it locally. I agree. So how does, uh, if someone wants to get in touch with you, how do they get in touch with you? And any, any final thoughts? Um, well, probably the easiest place to get in touch with me is just um, send me a, a, a message on my Instagram, Everyday Leaders. You can certainly send me um, a message uh, via my website, everydayleaders.ca. Um, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Christine McLeod, Everyday Leaders. And, um, you know, if, if you don't know me directly, you probably know someone who does. So I'm sort of around the community. I'm so passionate about this community. And I'm so proud to live in this community surrounded by incredible entrepreneurial business minds like yourself. Well, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today. And uh, hopefully, you know, the next time we, we have another podcast is uh, after one of those uh, chamber meetings where we talk about, hey, look how we survived this. This is awesome. And now we're, it's back to life as usual. <laughs> Thanks, Marcus. Thank you. This is the Sea to Sky podcast. If you have a comment or story ideas, please check out our website at SeaToSkyPodcast.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Sea to Sky Podcast. Thank you for clicking us on. 